0: Sooner or later It's gonna turn in my favor He's turning around For me Sooner or later It's gonna turn in my favor He's turning around For me One more time Sooner or later It's gonna turn in your favor He's turning it around For you yes he is. He's turning it around for you. Oh my, oh my, 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 my. Yeah, yeah. He's turning it around. He's turning it around. He's turning it around. He's turning it around for you. Amen.
1: Well, God, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for the gathering of the people of God to study the Word of God, open up truth to us, allow us to hear you. We pray, God, for quiet minds for these troubled times. Grant unto that so that we, Lord, will be able to serve you in the spirit of peace, even in the presence of the storm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, beloved, I'm so glad that you've joined us again tonight. I'm going to talk tonight again from the theme, The Quiet Mind for Troubled Times. Um, This is part 16, The Quiet Mind for Troubled Times. We have rooted and grounded ourselves in the 46th Psalm, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. We've grounded ourselves there because it is in the stillness that we are able to pitch our tent and our life direction towards the ultimate that is God and allow God's peace to replace all of the pessimism and all of the predicaments that we're in that cause us to be troubled in our thinking. And somewhat in the last few weeks, uh, last week and this week in particular, I've shifted to, uh, not shifted, but I've tried to invite you into thinking about what it means to have a peaceful mind, and a mind filled with love. It is my firm belief that the true heart and mind of a Christian, the true heart and mind of a deeply spiritual person, is rooted and grounded in love. Therefore, in the absence of such love, it's hard to be at peace. And so right now, people are struggling with their peace, and some of it is related to things that are completely unrelated to the crisis we're currently in. In other words, there are people who are in this crisis now, whose minds are troubled for food, clothing and shelter bill paying and trying to survive and that's one whole set of things that disturb us and we we participate in the in the the keeping and helping others to have material needs met but then there are others of you who are disturbed and for whom this time of slowdown and Pause and sequestering and home-bodiedness has brought up in you a whole wealth of other painful memories, things in your life that you've been through. And this, this time where your mind has not been fully engaged in other things has given you a moment to reflect on things that bother you. In some cases, you have been mistreated. In some cases, people have done you wrong. They have lied on you. They have taken advantage of you. They have dismissed you. They have done things to you that were completely untoward. It's not just people who are uh, in the church and people outside the church on your job and at the moment you really give thought and heed to some of what your emotional upheaval is about right now you really can call back to remembrance painful moments so that the psychic trauma has caused you a scar and the scar once scabbed over has now been at by this moment. So what you thought was healed is not as healed as you thought. A phone call could set you back off. Some of you have dismissed what you were experiencing by trying to distance yourself from certain people that caused the pain. Some of you look at the way certain people have conducted their lives, whether they have done what you wanted them to do or have done the opposite of what you thought should have been done. And in some ways, your heart has become hardened to them. And you've lost the ability to really love them. Now, lest you think I trivialize this moment, for some, this will mean that you need um, an extensive uh, amount of time in some therapy. And don't put therapy down, don't put mental health work down, don't put the fact that there are counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists that can help us work through uh, trauma, whether it's childhood or adulthood, uh, whether it's the trauma that we've experienced, or the trauma we have gone through, as we experience it through the lens of others. So that what I'm saying is not a trivialization of that. I'm saying for those of you who are healthy right now of mind and thought and can process this a fresh way, this may be helpful. But others need to hear this, receive it, try to function in it, act on it, but also go further by getting other help and resources so that you can really be completely healed. I believe in prayer healing, but I also believe that there are times when we need help in the healing that we need, particularly de- dependent upon the depth of the scars that we are trying to deal with in our lives. And so I, I, I've been wrestling with, Matthew 5 and if you get your bibles you'll see it here and this text is troubling for what it says and for what it demands of us and it demands of us something that relates to the fact that someone could have done you wrong and be called an enemy be called someone that is not fit for your company. And the text suggests that we are to love them in spite of the way in which they, their actions have adversely affected us. Their untowardness has impinged upon our psyche. And the text says, Love them. Love your enemies. That that's that's difficult. That's troubling. That's that's not easy. I'll read it first in the New King James Version, Matthew 5. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. And and we'll read 43 through 48, and then I'll try to explicate it afresh. And I want to see if we can go somewhere with this that's going to help you to be healed enough that when you sit before God in God's presence to meditate, that you can be there with God and not have to process all of your pain. That the pain processing can be turned over to God so that you can sit in God's presence in total peace with your heart and mind still before God. That's the goal. Rather ambitious, but righteous. Here's the New King James Version. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons and I add daughters of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do the same. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Verse 48 could actually be read, therefore you shall be mature, just as your Father in heaven is mature. The, the, the teachings here are difficult because we're taught, Matthew, Mark 12 gave us that Jesus understanding of loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And it, it gave us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So this ethic of love is, is, is really important in, in Judaism. And, but Jesus says, you've been taught to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. If I have time, I'm going to put that at the end of the message, because I want to deal with that last. But let's just talk about love for a moment. He says that we are to love. St. Thomas Aquinas says, to love is to will the good of the other to love is to will the good of the other. If you can't will the good of someone else who has been considered by your flesh mind, your unspiritual mind, your your your, your mind, if you can't love them that has been considered an enemy enough to will the good for them, then you're not yet ready to love them, and you're not Loving them. What one has to realize is if I say you ought to love everybody, enemies included, as I said last week, if I say that, then you will all be able to say, Amen, Bishop, that's right, we ought to love everybody. Because you accept that as a biblical truth, you accept that as a teaching of Jesus you accept that as a doctrine of the church, you accept that as a moral edict, you accept that as righteousness and right living, you accept that. And that's what we call orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is correct belief, correct doctrine. And so Everybody has good, those of you who are part of this fellowship anyway, you've been taught wonderful doctrine. You you have an understanding of orthodoxy. The real problem is not in the orthodoxy. It's in the orthopraxy. See, orthopraxy is the correct conduct. So you function in orthodoxy. I know that that's right. But when it comes to orthopraxy, correct conduct, there's the struggle. How do I actually live my faith? How do I actually live my faith given my life's story, given my life's conditions, given what I've been through? How do I actually live my faith, not only with my enemies, but with myself? Because see, some of what we are experiencing, we have almost made ourselves the enemies. Because at some point, we may have been the wrongdoer, and now we are in the midst of beating ourselves up. We may have made a mistake, and now we're holding ourselves hostage to the mistake that we made. How do I move from understanding what the Word says, doing what the word says do james 1 20, 22 through 25 i'm not going to read it but uh, but if you you go to james 1 james 1 tells you that you have to be more than a hearer james 1 verse 22 says you have to be a doer of the word and not hearers only Because see, if you're only a hearer of the word, then James says you're deceiving your own self. So I've gotta get to the point where I'm not just hearing good stuff come in without putting good stuff into practice in my daily life, in my daily walk with God. And and I wanna tell you something, when you've been wounded, When you've been hurt, when you've been beat up, when you've been down and out, when when you've got people that have done you wrong, or people you know are doing wrong, it's hard to deal with them. And I want to say this up front, not even their death, not even disengagement, meaning you're not going to have anything to do with them anymore, not even denial or distancing yourself from them can give peace like forgiveness and love. And there's a word right there. You can run from them. Death, disengagement, denial, or distance will not give you peace like forgiveness and love. The real peace you're going to have is in love okay they did you wrong they lied on you they 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 mistreated you they sold you down the river they've talked about you they've hurt you you know what they did to you and you've never even confronted them for it and maybe even they've gone on to be with God and you're still angry with them and what happens is that pain from the wounds that we've had in life Create what what can be described best as roots of bitterness. And those roots of bitterness end up coming back and they sprout into our lives and they begin to create issues for us to where we are never what we're supposed to be. You ever hear somebody talk about another person and say that's a bitter old somebody. That's a bitter person. Uh, you, 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 you look at them, you say "It's a bitter, and what, you, what, 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 what you're actually alluding to, even in your sarcasm and your real hurtful words, what you're alluding to is that person has allowed bitterness to get into their spirit from other things unrelated to anything related to being in your presence. And their bitterness about that affects how they interact with you. Now what's worse, saints, is if somebody's saying that about you. If someone looks at you and says, boy, you're a, you're a bitter person. Because what they've, what they've peeped is your whole card, and in some cases they're just being mean. But, but what they may have peeped is your whole card in that you've never talked about being hurt. You've never talked about being lied on or mistreated, and you've never told your testimony or your story, but that thing is bothering everybody around you, not because of what you keep saying about it, but because of where it has affected you. It's taken your joy. It's taken your peace. It's taken your sweetness. It's taken your kindness. It's taken the happiness that used to be on your face. And now your face, which was once the the beauty and joy that lit up the room, is now wrinkled from the frowning that you've done, carrying the pain. And you've been holding it in so long, you're about to implode. And so you're imploding on the inside, but you're holding it together for everybody else on the outside. And you don't even realize that in your, your, your effort to protect those around you and hold it in, because you don't want them to see how hurt you are or the pain that you've been through or what you're dealing with. In your effort to keep that from them, you have been being bitter toward them. You've withdrawn yourself, withdrawn your affection, withdrawn your attention, withdrawn your company, withdrawn your love. What happens is the bitterness now is actually controlling the life that you have. And until we root that out, until we get rid of it with the love, you're going to be different than who you are. Your true self is going to be hidden by your false self. Your false self is the one that's wounded. Your false self is the one that's bitter. Your false self is the one that's hurt. And guess what? Your false self is keeping you from being your true self. You got to release it in order to be who God wants you to be and in order to really spend time in God's presence. Wow, I know I'm going a little deep tonight. So stay with me. You know, there's nothing like and 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 and, and there's nothing like feeling like Boy, someone said they had your back and they ain't there. Someone said, I'm with you and they gone. You know, I'm going to tell you something. Betrayal will make you want to, you know, you, you have a Bernie Mac moment. Yeah, all of my shallow members know what I'm talking about. Bernie Mac said, I got to cut you, it's the rule. But there's something that God wants of a believer that keeps you from having the Bernie Mac moment and makes you better. Now, now here you got to get this because it's, it's not going to be easy, but I want to give you a couple things that, that the text is suggesting. Number one, the text is suggesting this, that you are to love unlimited. Love unlimited. you know love unlimited i have been trying to work this out um jesus loves so much he says ephesians 5 paul picks this up and he says uh, i want you to be imitators of god as his children and i want you to walk in love and then he says the thing that i really can't stand He said, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us and offering a sacrifice, a sweet smelling aroma. He says, I want you to love like God loves. I'm going to come back to this thing that's going to require me to sacrifice to do it. I'm going to have to love like God loves, unlimited. You know, um, for those of us that are believers, when Jesus died for our sins, Let's let's be honest. He died, and if you believe in salvation through Jesus, you believe he died one time for the sins of the world, which means he made it available unlimited to anyone. And that, that takes in some really questionable characters there, but he made it available to anyone unlimited. And he says I want you to be uh, the Amplified version says I want you to copy him and follow his example. He says I want you to copy him and follow his example with an unlimited love. I want it to be in you. I want it to be the proper behavior that you function under. And this is not going to be easy to do. It's not, it's not easy because, you know, we talk about loving unlimited. Hey, man, whoo. You would rather, you're, you're human nature. You're only human. You'd rather pick and choose who going to get your, get the, that, come on. There's some people, Reverend, you know, you talking good tonight. I believe you're in the Bible, but there's some people that don't, hey, slow down, Bishop, you, hey. You are walking in my pew and bothering me now. I got some people, there's some racists and some bigots and some, some evil people out there. Bishop, you better quit that. Well, I'm going to get even worse then because I said you ought to love unlimited. Then I'm going to mess you up with this one. Love unconditionally. I, um, that's without judgment. Without judgment, unconditionally. Now this is hard, hard, hard. I um, I teach um, pastoral counseling in seminary, and uh, and one of the one of the points that we try to teach um, um, young people and becoming pastors and about counseling is is the thing we call UPR, UPR. It's called unconditional positive regard, UPR, unconditional positive regard. Now that becomes very hard for some people who have real stern um, conservative beliefs about lifestyle, about, you know, what the Bible says about this or that other issue. When you tell them that the only way to be a good counselor is to have unconditional positive regard, that the counselee can tell you anything and you're not going to be moved that you're going to be available, that you're going to try and walk them through their darkest valley and the deepest, darkest night of the soul, unconditional, without judgment. Now, let me say this. UPR, Unconditional Positive Regard, is a secular concept taught by psychologists and psychiatrists and taught in schools all across the world not as a christian principle but as a secular principle for how counselors are to interact with counselees or people seeking their help if the world can realize that people need unconditional love what about the church what about the church what about the saints? Okay. I know. See, that's loving without judgment. Love without judgment. Well, you know, Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 17 through 21. Help me out greatly here. Now, for those of you who are watching uh, tonight, you can need to know this, that immediately after this is over, I'm going to open up Zoom call again. I'm going to stay right here. And for a half hour, I'm going to take questions and there'll be a Zoom number that'll be up on the screen. There it is right there. There's the Zoom meeting ID number and we're going to put it down there in the box so that you know you can meet me after this is over and I will try to take some of your questions. I'm going to sit right here. I'm in no hurry. So stay with me because this one's going to be difficult. Because when I say love unconditionally, Romans 12 17 starts this way Repay no one evil for evil. Now you know, we like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We Harami, uh, Hammurabi Cold people. You hit me, I hit you. And if I hit harder, that means you just fall quicker. Listen, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all people. excuse me when I change these generically strict patriarchal terms and make them gender inclusive because I can't stand the gender exclusivity of the text so let me just be clear here so if you hear me change it it's not that I can't read I'm intentionally trying to be gender inclusive if it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably with everybody beloved do not avenge yourselves but rather give, give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. If there's something to be done, God says, I got this. You give way, well, I'm going to love anyway. If, if some punishment need be done, I'm, I'm going to love anyway. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink in so doing you Will heap coals of fire On his head Now here's, here's, here's the kicker Here's the kicker Here's the kicker Don't get mad Do not be overcome By evil But overcome evil With good Do not be overcome By evil But overcome evil With good God anticipates That you are going To be better than those who have mistreated you now this is going to take some maturing and some of you who listen to me right now say reverend you you, you're messing with me here Uh, yes i am because god wants you to be better and not bitter god wants you to overcome evil with good god wants you to be better you're going to be better you're gonna learn how to live this. You're gonna learn how to walk in love on a daily basis. You're gonna learn how, and let me tell you something, the more you walk in love, you're gonna find out that some of those lines in your face that have been coming up because of your internal uh, ability trying to hold on to pain, grief, hurt, harm, danger inside of you, those lines are gonna relax. Your spirit is gonna relax. You're gonna come back into place I tell people this um, they, they, sometimes I'm talking to someone and I say my son gets this all the time for me and he, he's had to get used to it and now he's starting to, get to know whether or not he's got to make a decision whether he wants to be in my presence sometime because he'll come to me and he'll be hyped his spirit is hyped he'll be talking normal but his spirit is hyped and I'll say, I say hey Bo I said bring it in come on in and, and he knows that I know And that that actually aggravates him because he knows, I know that he's hyped. Because he's talking as calmly as he can. But your spirit is racing. And because your spirit is racing, it shows up in your body. Watch where I'm going with this. When he relaxes, what was up here, chest up, head up, neck tightened, is like this. It comes back down. Now, let me help you here. Some of you think you're hiding your anxiety and your upsetment from those that love you, but your children feel it, your spouse feels it they know something's wrong they can't put their finger on it and sometimes they even react to it because they think you are mad at them they may even start apologizing and don't even know what they're apologizing for you know that's what a man does any if he can just say I'm sorry and end the argument he gonna say I'm sorry he don't even know what you're sorry for I'm sorry because you upset that's why I'm really sorry the truth of the matter is that your spirit projects ahead of your words but it also shows up on your countenance because see if bitterness and hatred and envy and strife come from the enemy then guess what it means that the enemy's been given a toehole inside of you that you didn't intend to give him You gave him entrance into your spirit Via your soulish self Soulish S-O-U-L-I-S-H Okay Unconditional love That's love without judgment That's love without judgment Jesus says you're going to love without judgment I'm not going to judge anything I'm going to love you anyhow I'm going to love you anyhow I love you because I love you Okay. I got to roll on. I only got a few minutes left. I got two more major points I want to make. Number three. Love unselfishly. 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 Unlike human nature, pray for your enemies. And pray for their best life. Until you can... I ain't talking about that now I lay me down to sleep prayer, you pray. I'm talking about pray like you really mean for God to bless them. Pray like you really mean for God to bring reconciliation and God to move in their life for their best life. Pray for your enemies. That's unselfish love. Let me say this. It's natural to want to see your enemy get what's coming to them. Natural is not Christian. it's natural to want to see your enemies get what's coming to them natural is not christian Ooh, i had a conversation not too long ago with somebody and they were they they've got a little uh not a, quite an enemy but but sort of a rival and they've been dealing with some stuff with their rival and and their, their rival slash small e enemy um had something untoward happen to them and they were they were saying oh excuse me while i shout and they were laughing they were happy and i said don't you do that in front of me don't you dare you know why we don't because we don't celebrate we don't celebrate that i know it's natural to want to see folk get their comeuppance it's natural you know especially you've been talking about me and now the thing you've been saying about me doesn't happen to you you've been talking about me going down and now look at
0: you you singing like mary j blige i'm going down since you ain't around my whole world whoops, upside down
1: i'm sorry Excuse me. It's natural to want to do that. It's natural to to, to see somebody. But let me tell you something. You don't want to rejoice in the downfall or the hurt of anyone. Of anyone. Of anyone. See, watch this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Verse 44 Uh, This is the Amplified Version. Amplified Version says this way. But I say to you, love, that is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Unselfishly seek the best or higher good unselfishly God I, I thank you right now yeah I know I know that woman mistreated you I know, I know they, 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 they helped to, to create a bad time in your life and they try to mess up and almost try to cause your demise try to ruin your career ruin your happiness ruin your joy no 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 before you get upset understand pray for them pray for them Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. I'm in the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. Here's what the apostle says. And we labor, working with our hands. Being reviled, we blessed. Being persecuted, we endure. Stop right there. When we were reviled,
0: we blessed. When we were persecuted, we just went on and endured it. We just handled our business.
1: First Peter, chapter 3, verse 9. This is a good teaching here tonight, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help somebody, help us all. First Peter, chapter 3, verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or revilings for revilings, but on the contrary, blessing knowing that you were called to this that you may inherit a blessing wait a minute bishop that's it the more i live my faith the more i set myself up for my blessing you know yes there is a self-interested component i've already given you one part of the self-interest It's so that i keep my spirit right it's so that I can keep my countenance right. It's so that I can feel good about me. That's, hey, it's not just for them, it's for me. I don't want to walk around ma- mean and mad and bitter all the time. Uh, hey, I, it, automatically because of my size, I scare people just walking down the street. Can you imagine if I was always mad? Can you imagine if I was bitter? Man, people be running away from me like nothing going north. Let me help you here. Matthew 5, verse 45. We read verse 44. Let's read verse 45. He says, So that you may show yourselves to be the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun shine on those who are evil and on those who are good and makes the rain fall on the righteous and those who are morally upright and the unrighteous, the unrepentant, those who oppose him. He says, I'm blessing folk that oppose me. I'm still going to pray for them. I'm still going to bless them. I'm still, I'm, I want God, I'm blessing them. I want you to walk in that blessing. Now, last point I want to make, and then I'm going to break and we're going to talk online uh, to each other in a few moments. But the last one I want to make goes back to the beginning of the lesson the very first part when Jesus says love your enemies and I'm going to make a point here that's really important because I've tried to say it last week and I'm going to say it a a different way this week but it's the same point I'm trying to drive home. love the unlovable love the unlovable love the unlovable there are some unlovable folks Love the unlovable. This is my lovable folk. And and you've got to know Jesus here is separating the old understanding of who is entitled to your love and forgiveness with his more perfect way. The, The God of the New Testament, as demonstrated in Jesus Christ, is beneficent towards all it is inclusion not exclusion that's the new covenant mantra it is love of all it is an inclusive mantra it is bringing together it is not the divisiveness it is bringing together the old testament or hebrew scripture god demonstrated himself in ways that's that could be described as harsh and abrasive and jesus is breaking with that harsh abrasiveness bam and he's saying well god has now distributed has decided and he has proven his love to you by sending me here to bring love into your hearts and to show you how much you can actually live as god would want you to live so the abrasiveness of the old testament is now being challenged the abrasiveness of the old mindset is being challenged And to understand this mindset allows you to see why some, even today, take hard lines against their enemies. What you see even today in in Israel right now, some, some people there, they're very much in line with the teachings that they read in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. That was some hard line stuff. It appears to be almost merciless in some ways yet they are biblical in the historical factors but they 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 miss something that God is doing right now now I'm not trying to put down uh, Israel I love Israel and love all about it I'm just trying to help you to understand because everybody is not the same place there are certain hardliners in Israel who have an opinion and and believe me it's rooted in Scripture it's rooted rightly and there's certain people who are are peace-minded and they have another idea of things. I'm taking no no place on any of it at all. Only thing I'm trying to tell you is the Old Testament God, that God, that one right there, that one right there would have struck most of us dead already. He sent Jesus so he didn't have to. Oh, you missed that. You see, some of the stuff we do now, that God, as demonstrated then, would have struck us down. Would have struck us down. But through Jesus, He's been extending mercy. Mercy, 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 mercy. You, you, if you even go back and read even the story that uh, of, of, of creation and you get about chapter four and five and you start reading about Cain's sin and and what went on in that situation when God throws the punishment at Cain the first thing Cain says is Lord this what you just said to me is unbearable and God says okay I lighten it up I' I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fix you up. I'm going to lighten you up and I'm going to give you a mark. But the first judgment, Cain even said, it's unbearable. So you got to understand something. When Jesus is talking in that first part, what Jesus is saying is, 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 beloved, I'm putting down a new edict for you to walk under. I'm putting down a new way for you to live. If you, you want to know about that, that, that God of the Old Testament, Hebrew, uh, go to Deuteronomy 23. I don't have time to read it all night. Uh, thir- three through six. He, sa- he says, I'm going to tell you what. He says, those folk and their descendants shall not enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Because they didn't meet you with bread and water on the roadside. And then verse 6 says, you shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all your days forever. I'm reading Bible. And here Jesus is saying, love your enemy. This is a direct contrast to what has been the covenant relationship that they have all been brought up under. Now, this God here is more like, this, this stuff here is more like what some of y'all want to do. You know, somebody hurt you, they out forever. Don't ever ask me nothing again. Don't talk to me again. I'm through with you forever. That's what you want. That's not New Testament. That's not New Testament. You cut off forever. Wait a minute. Deuteronomy 25, verse 17 through 19. He he says, look at verse 19. He says, therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. That, That rough, that's rough. Psalm 139 verse 21. Here's one. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? I do, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? Said God, I hate them that hate you. Now, but Jesus comes up, and his teaching is a more perfect way. It is a sea change. We are compelled to love the unlovable. I got a lot of good, my, my friends, uh, I've been so blessed over the years. I have one wonderful Jewish friends who taught me so many stories from, from uh, the scriptures and, and, and from their traditions. And, and, and when, they, when, when they give me those stories, I keep looking at them and I'm like, wow. Because what Jesus is teaching is actually a part of an older tradition which was a compassionate merciful thing that they were coming in into an understanding of and they were trying to get to understand how they could extend themselves beyond their borders and they were coming into a new mindset and Jesus now offers what has to be a a more perfect way a sea change if you will we are compelled to love the unlovable. Jesus raises the ethical standards and seeks an awareness of humanity as opposed to the covenant exclusivity. He raises the ethical standards. He seeks an awareness of humanity As opposed to covenant exclusivity. It's it's more demanding. It's, it's, It's demonstrative. It's ethical awareness. And it requires, it requires sacrifices to willingly be made. It's more demanding. It's more demonstrative. It's ethical. It's an ethical awareness that requires sacrifices to willingly be made. you got to willingly make a sacrifice. Okay, I'm I'm running out of time, but boy, this is getting good to me. You know, Jesus throws on them the story of the Good Samaritan. And if you read the story of the Good Samaritan, when the the young man says, Lord, uh, who is my neighbor? And so this is Luke chapter 10. So go back. You can read it for yourself next week. And maybe I'll hit on it a little bit next week when I start. But Luke chapter 10, he says, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus gives him the story of a man who falls by the side of the road, who's robbed. He's left there naked. And then a Samaritan comes by. Another one of those outside groups that was around Israel but not a part of the covenant family. Oh, never mind. We'll, go. we'll get there another time. Not Not a friend. And he does the good deed of taking care of the needs of this individual. He shows the man mercy. So Jesus comes back and says, "says I want to understand. Who, who, who did the right thing? Who, who's a good person here? The priest? The other man that walks by? Who, who, he says, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus' response is important. Notice the word mercy. Jesus' response is important because Jesus says, you go and you do likewise. Verse 37. Okay. So to love the unlovable is actually an act of mercy. Is an act of mercy. Understand something. Tax collectors and pagans were despised by orthodox Jews. And he says, he said, your level of covenant commitment is no better than theirs if you cannot love beyond your community of comfort. You got to be able to love beyond your community of comfort. Man, oh man, oh man. Now this is going to mess with some of y'all. Because see, some of y'all think that you righteous but you love people that love you and you love people that act like you. But you're going to love beyond your community. The end result of such an ethical outlook is peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. Okay. Here it is. We close now. Matthew 5 verse 9. Jesus says, he says, I want you to do this because I want you to be children of God. And then he says, let me tell you what a a child of God looks like. Verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Let me tell you something, if you're not doing the work that helps to create peace, you're not doing it like Jesus wants it done so I want you to create peace in you and peace in the world (sighs) listen to me closely this is not a denial of fact it's a difficult acceptance of divine presence in one's heart Mind and strength. This is not a denial of fact. Should be a comma right there. Instead. Instead. It's a difficult acceptance. Of divine presence in one's heart. Mind and strength. Let me tell let me, let me say this to you. When I say it's not a denial of fact. What I simply mean is this. What happened happened. The person that mistreated you. Did the person that betrayed you betrayed you the person that lied on you lied on you the person that you fell out with yes it happened we don't have to deny your truth we don't have to deny the assault on your life whatever it was we can accept that and still accept what god is calling us to and here's what he's calling us to the believer's distinctive is mercy And mercy is the gift of love. The believer's distinctive is mercy, and mercy is the gift of love. Luke 6 and 36. Luke 6 and 36. would it allow us to do something special if you get to luke 6 and 36 you're going to find a blessing right there put it on the screen if you don't mind therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful God is looking for you to function in mercy. So, Rev, what are you looking for us to do? I'm looking for you to be a better believer, walking in the spirit of love so that you will know God in every good work no, it's not easy to do this. It, you know, I wish I could tell you that, you know, um, you just gonna jump up and tomorrow you're gonna feel like uh, um, loving everybody and you're gonna give up on the folk who mistreated you. No, the truth of the matter is that folk have mistreated you. Folk have done you wrong. Folks have, have been mean-spirited to you. it's just the way it is it's what it is but understand this just because it's the way it is doesn't mean it's the way it always has to be God wants to do something special in your life God wants to do something special in your very existence and what you need to know is this is the hour for you to be what God wants you to be